episode 82 of the Cherokee Rewind. Such a roll. Thanks for hanging out with us. I am Mick, as you well know. Coach's edition here, as we're going to go back in time with a guy who coached back in the early to mid-2000s, if I remember. Remember, it serves me kind of But uh, currently is the head coach of the state champion St. Francis Knights high school hockey team in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, spent time with the Cherokee, as I said, back in the mid-2000s. His name is Chris Varga, and Varg's uh, also uh, co-hosts with me on my local radio program, the Cheap Seats, and always grateful to have him with that as well. And Varg's, how you doing today? Doing great. How about yourself? Oh, I'm pretty good. This is. I'm looking forward to this. This should be a nice little fun trip down memory lane. Uh, but before we get to all the all the uh, stuff, you know, back then and now, etc., uh, I want to get to the beginning, to the roots of what what sparked your interest in this game all those years ago as a little guy. Well, that's a tough question. I've asked my parents uh, numerous times. Uh, that's one of the big questions that have always been asked me: is how did I get started? You know, my dad, uh, you know. He, boys follow their mom or dads or whatever you know my uh they played hockey out in the pond my mom skated too and played you know but it was just recreational it was fun you know with the friends and high school buddies and my mom and dad uh they had a pretty close group of friends that you know they all could you know skate pond skate i don't want to say you know nhl style skaters or anything mm-hmm. and they all played sport, different sports, but during the wintertime, they all have fun out on the pond. And I must have, um, like they said, I used to watch it when I was little on Channel 9. You know, you get your five stations back then or yes. whatever. You had a black and white TV. You know, go old school. You had to get up and change the channel and then sit back down. You had the rabbit ears. You had the game. It was perfectly clear. And, like, two seconds later, you got to put some tinfoil on there and hold it and Yep, it's all snow. So, it's all snow otherwise. Yeah, you can't see the puck. You can't see things. But uh, I guess the answer to the question is, um, you know, I just watched it on TV, and I was just amazed um, uh, where we lived. We lived in an apartment, and there's a guy there. Uh, this is a nameless Claude, and he was a kid. And uh, he used to go out there and shoot pucks all the time out on the tennis court because we had tennis court in our little area of uh, the apartments there. And uh, I just went down there, and, you know, he was much older than me. And I asked him if, uh, you know, I could play or, you know, whatever. And, you know, he was he was much older. He's like, you know, I was this little kid. And, you know, he would show me a couple things and then kind of leave. And then I'd be there by myself, and I asked for a stick for Christmas. And uh, that was my, like, big gift was a hockey stick, and I was so excited. That's the only thing I wanted. And um, and then uh, um, later on, I saw a broken goalie stick um, laying around somewhere. And I don't know why I was at a rink, but got a goalie stick and a regular stick, and it was a left-handed stick. So, as you know, I'm left-handed now. So, um, but that was, that was how it all started, you know. I started skating. Um, didn't know how to skate, went skating, it was an outside rink, and I remember the gentleman that, uh, would help me to this day, he was like a surfer dude, long blonde hair, I mean, like long blonde hair, like the Bee Gees, you know, if you could look, 
back at Barry Gibb. I mean, looked like that kind of. And he's out there like, hey, dude, you got to, you know, hold the cone and push the cone. And I'd fall down a thousand times, get back up. And my dad and my mom, when we were done, they're like, uh, you know, did you have fun? Do you want to do it again? I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I was bruised up, banged up. I, I thought it was great, you know. I think that was like my first injury was the first time I skated and knees were hurting and elbows. Because and, back then, you weren't skating with helmets and gloves and pads like you are nowadays. I mean, yeah. you so you had to learn how to break your fall real quick. So I think that's, you know, that whole thing really got me intrigued in hockey. I didn't know the rules or sports. And, you know, I grew up in Red Wings were on. Montreal was like the biggest team at that time. And, you know, my favorite player was Guy Lafleur, number 10 for the, uh, Montre- the Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, you know, so I got started that way. And that was pretty, pretty interesting. Now, uh, how long till you started actually playing in, uh, like, did you start in mini-mites? Did you start later? Uh, yeah, no, I started mini-mites. I was like, uh, I don't know, four or five years old and uh, played house my first year, local, you know, like IP programs now. Uh, was interested in that and got on a team and um, my first year, you know, learning how to be a team player. You know, I remember my coach always passed the puck, you know. Puck's always faster than you. That's all he ever taught us, you know. He wasn't, you know, a great coach. And, you know, I look back at it now, he's pretty horrible. But the one thing I did get from him is, you know, he was right. The puck is faster than the player, you know. So no matter how fast you can skate, you can pass the puck a lot quicker to make the other guys, you know, chase it or whatever. So I went there and uh, I was playing out of uh, Plymouth, Michigan. We lived in Detroit, and uh, that was like the team that would, you know, we could play for uh, in that area. We lived in Canton, and uh, or Canton, Plymouth area, and uh, you know, just uh, got really excited. The kids, you know, all had fun. We had, we just had fun. I, you know, we had a losing record, you know, and but I got my first goal, and I remember that to, the, you know, like it was yesterday, you know. I took this wicked shot and went through everybody's legs, and the goalie went through the five hole. And uh, the puck is probably going at a you know, racing speed of about two miles an hour. <laughs> and, you know, but back in the day, you know, boy, that was a ripper. You know? it, oh, man, there's no one that could stop that, you know, and I remember that in my brain. And, it, <laughs> you know, as time goes on, the fish story was, you know, I, I really caught a, a bluegill, but right now my story is it's a whale. You know, so yep. and that's that's basically how it started, you know, and I, I, I mean, wow. And, and people came up to yeah, great job and pat on the head and the coach patch on the back of the jersey. Say, hey, you know, way to go, Vargs and whatever. And I mean, I really I was like, wow, this was something really new and exciting. It wasn't just mom and dad saying, hey, good game, son. You want to keep playing? And my parents were really supportive and, you know, with all my you know brother and sister and and whatever they wanted to do they never discouraged us you know if you if you're playing for a team you play for the full year you can't quit on them kind of a thing you know you you made a commitment stand by it let's you know move forward so then at the end of the season there's a coach or something came up and said uh hey there's a travel team you know in the area do you want to play for us or try out and i made that team and uh i never played house again it was always playing travel you know 
you played single A back then, and then you went to double A, was, was oh boy, this is awesome, and then triple A, and then you know, you know, I didn't have high school at that time. There was no high school hockey in my area. Uh, plus, we moved down, you know, southern Michigan here, so we, uh, you know, it. The, I wasn't. I couldn't play for Ohio schools. So I went to a school that didn't have a high school team, so I played travel and so on and so forth. But you know, I just started getting addicted to playing. And uh, my biggest part of the game was uh, being a playmaker. You know, I score goals, but, man, I love setting up guys and watching them smile. I mean, that just made me so proud that, you know, yeah, we did it, you know. How, um, how old were you when you first started playing travel? Uh, I think it was six. How, I mean, what was the competition like when you played during all that time? You know, there wasn't as many teams, so believe it or not, you had to be good to make it or else those kids played a different sport and really never came back to play hockey. So nowadays there's, you know, 20 teams, AAA, then you got AA, single A, then you got high school, and then you got, you know, um, independent leagues out there. There's independent teams, and, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's so watered down. I mean... Triple-A, you know, it's good hockey. I'm not going to knock it. It's watered down. I mean, it's a lot of it is political. You know, high school, you know, especially in our area, there's not so many teams in all the schools. So it's more competitive, and it seems like it gets stronger. And I'm not comparing Triple-A to high school or this is better than that or, you know, everybody has their two cents, and that's great. You know, I went the Triple-A route. That was the only route I had. You know, I didn't have that option. I would have loved to play for my school. But, uh, you know, I didn't really realize, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. You know, we weren't one of those people that were jet-setting across, you know, you know, having the best of everything or whatever. You know, my parents, we grew up as, you know, what you have, you make the best out of it. You know, you don't need the $100. Well, back then, you don't need the $25 stick. You know, that doesn't, you know, my dad was growing up the old Hungarian saying, as he would say, the clothes don't make the man. You know, the equipment doesn't make the man. You know, sure, it helps, but it's not, you know, it's not life or death. You still have to put in your time, your work to, to become better. So, you know, it, it went that route. So just jumping back, just to clarify, did your folks... I mean, I know you talked about them skating on the pond and everything, but did growing up for them, when they were growing up, did they do anything as far as in school or otherwise or beyond as far as any athletics? No, you know, my 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 mom and dad were, you know, my dad was, they were really good in school, uh, both of them, and uh, very smart people. Um you know, they. I was the only child there for a little bit, so I was. You know, I'm the oldest, so um, they spent a lot of time with me. You know, had fun. You know, wintertime, make snowmen and everything. And you know, um, the biggest thing is they always encouraged, like, like all the kids in my 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 family, to you know, whatever it is, just do your best, and you know. My dad always came up, and I know it's been re- said a thousand t- times, you know, you play for the name in the front, but don't embarrass the name in the back. You know, I live by that model. 
Um, you know, sometimes as a coach or a player, you do things you don't really think, and it's a little embarrassing, but you're not trying to, you know, that's all they ever said. And, you know, my dad, you know, his, my grandfather was so proud of what uh, we did as a family. You know, everything's always been a family, and, and you know, some people stray, some people get lost, some people get down, and we're here to pick you up, and that's what family is, you know, blood's thicker than water kind of thing. And, um, you know, the, they always, it seemed like, you know, they met people through the network of hockey uh, growing up, and, you know, my dad and my mom, you know, talked to this dad, and, well, you know, you got to go to power skating clinic if you want to get faster, because, you know, I wasn't the fastest kid at that time, or... I didn't know how to really shoot, and, you know, my backward skating wasn't really that great, you know, my first year, but within time, I picked it up, and, you know, I just, I just really eat, sleep, drink hockey, so to speak, you know, I know that doesn't, I don't know if that's really what it is now in sports with kids, you know, they love a sport, but, you know, they play so many different sports back then. You might play too, but everybody usually played that one sport that they excel in, and then you just drove, you know, and you just kept going with that. And, you know, like I said, I, I grew up in an apartment complex where, you know, there was a kid there that played, Dana Clawson, and I still remember it as yesterday. I, I've never seen looked him up or anything, and it's been 45 years ago. And he walked around with the junior Red Wings, you know, sweatshirt or, you know, rain gear, warm-ups, whatever you want to call it. And I just thought, man, this guy, this guy's like, you know, NHL. This guy's awesome, you know. And little did I know, it was just, you know, a, you know, a junior team. But back then, I just thought, you know, I don't have anything like that. I want to get something like that. I want to earn that or whatever. And... Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff motivated me. My parents, you know, motivated me. Well, if you want to get that stuff that he's wearing, you got to, you know, work hard. You know, you got to work harder than the next guy. But yet the next guy, you know, that's beside you is on your team. So you got you got to make him look good too. So that's what kind of brought up me being more of a playmaker. You know, I really didn't care about the glory. Like even now, I don't, it doesn't really phase me. I don't really care about it. But I love seeing the kids and the parents excited. I love seeing their reaction. That gets me excited. You know, I know when we lose, everybody's upset. But when you win, that's just, it's pretty, uh, only in sports you know how that feeling is, you know. And, uh, you know, I want everybody to go through it, you know. So, so you didn't have a high school team to play for, so you knew you were playing travel. Um Yep. Did you know pretty much from the get-go you were going to keep going for as long as you could when it came to playing hockey? No. You know, my first team, the name was the Grandpa Gremlins. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Grandpa Gremlins. Oh. I still have the jersey. It's got like this head of a pig looking at oh you, God. and it said Grandpa Gremlins. It was some grandpa donated the money, and, and they they named the team after him. Oh, and my God. Yeah, that was Grandpa Gremlins. It was like a one-and-done season, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not oh even my. making this up. I could even bring the jersey, and I have my first jersey still. 
I don't have a lot of stuff. My mom, mom and dad collected a bunch of stuff, news clippings back then, VHS tapes of me playing oh, yeah. pro, or, or or my dad would sneak in a camcorder back then. You know, it looked like this monsoon of a thing with this big spotlight. But uh, yeah, I you know, I didn't think, I didn't think I would ever. Like, I, you know, every kid says, yeah, I want to play in Major League Baseball. I want to play pro hockey or pro football or whatever, yeah. whatever their sport is, tennis or whatever. I get it. And, you know, I thought about, yeah, you know, and I um, I remember going to a uh, car dealership with my mom. It was, a, it was a weekend night that I didn't have hockey, believe it or not, that the Red Wings were going to be there to sign autographs. And uh, Nick Polanich from the Red Wings, Paul Woods was there. Paul Woods still doing radio yeah. color for, mm-hmm. for the Wings were there. And, uh, you know, there was like uh, a couple other guys, Reed Larson and a couple big wow. names there. Yeah. Willie Huber, you know. Willie Huber. <laughs> still, can't, still can't get it out of the zone. Nope. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know, and it, it was funny. I, I went and, and Nick Polanich. Like he he talked to me, and, you know, like hey, nice to meet you, you know, and your and my mom, you know, shook our hands, and I was like, and he signed my little piece of paper, and I was like, I was in awe, like these guys are bigger than life, and I mean, m- mind you, I'm five, six, whatever, and I'm just looking at these guys as they're just mammoth dudes, and. uh and I'll get back to what I think of them now because as I grew up, but back then I just, you know, they were the, you know, they were, knees. yeah. So, and the thing that really got, got to me was he talked to me, he goes, Hey, you know, I was like, how my first, he goes, do you have any questions? My first question, I still remember this and being stupid, young and naive. I'm like, um, I, my first question to him, I remember I said, uh, do you like playing in the NHL? <laughs> and, was, and he looked at me, and I was like, eh, you know, that's all I could come up with because I was, like, I was shocked that I got an NHL. I guess I just saw you on TV last night, so to speak, and now you're in front of me talking. And he's like, yeah, I love playing in the NHL. And my, my next question was, um, I remember this vividly. I was like, well, how did you make it to the NHL? And he goes, you have to work. Day in, day out, sun up to sun down, to sun down to sun up. And I remember that, and it stuck in my head. And I, I didn't really knew what it meant back then. I, you know, when you get older, you realize what people have trying to teach you, but they don't want to give their secrets. And basically, you got to work hard. Yeah. And you got to do more than the next guy and so on and so forth. And as adults, most people understand that. But as a five, six-year-old, I'm like, huh, okay. So I remember getting in my car. My mom's like, so did you have fun? I was like, yeah, thank you so much for taking me. My dad was working at the time, and I I told my dad the story, and he's like, oh, that's great. I go, they're really nice, and they were really, you know, shook mom's hand and my hand. And my dad's like, oh, that's good, you know, like, okay, settle down. And But I was just so amazed that they took time out for little old me. I mean, we... We weren't famous. We didn't know anybody. We nothing. And here these people took time. And it wasn't like people were lined up out of the door. You know, I remember it, really a lot of people weren't there. So it was kind of nice that they wanted to talk. And I listened. That's incredible. Um, 
And by the way, just all the noise you hear in the background, we are coming to you uh, here from a place called Gander's Restaurant here on the shores of Lake Erie in a town called Lunapur, Michigan. As uh, Chris and I are here uh, reminiscing a little bit here on Cherokee Rewind, episode 82. And uh, Chris, so what? Uh, when did you realize that, hey, maybe I can do something here playing hockey? You know, it was weird because I was, uh, you know, we moved and we went down here and I was working hard. I was shooting pucks and my dad was one of those guys that uh, I don't know if he's going to admit it or agree to this, but I know he's going to laugh so he knows I'm right. And, he, you know, but he would say, you know, hey, you got to cut the grass that works on your legs. You know, everything was for hockey. Hey, we're going to trim trees with the lopper and, you know, you, 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 you're you're working your forearms, you're working your lats, you're, you know, it's all for hockey. And then, you know, I'm, and here I'm young, naive, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a better hockey player because, you know, I'm chopping down trees, basically, and I'm cutting grass. Oh, no, you don't use the right more. You don't get, you know, you got to keep your, you know, strength. You get to push more while my dad gets the right more, you know. So, and here I'm believing this, and, my, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, 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 okay, you know, and. Oh yeah, you got to pick up with you know with your with your back and your knees, and it's like kind of a sit up, and you, you know you show me all this stuff like, hey, we're gonna dig this, and you know it's really good for face offs or sentiment, so you know, and he and he would say, no, no, you throw it like this because you're trying to get the uh, you know bring the puck back, you got to create this in your head, and you know, as funny as it sounds, it worked. It's kind of like Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid, wax off, wax off. Way before Mr. Miyagi came out. Yep. And, and, you know, because nowadays when I try to talk to kids and parents, they don't do that. I mean, they cut grass. It's on a ride more. I mean, they can push it or whatever. But, I mean, there are kids out there that have chores every day and work. I, I get it. But they don't have that creativity. And my dad was just, I mean, we didn't have weights. I didn't have weights. You know, you, you, rode, you rode a bike and you swam. You know, you tried to work out that way. You didn't really have all the modern technology there wasn't an la fitness down the road or back then it was like a century 21 or whatever it was those, 21st or 21st century yes and and i mean we didn't have that stuff and valleys and all this other things that were out there now i mean your home gym is you know here's the yard go cut a tree down now trim the tree or cut the grass edge and you know, my dad had the electric one, but he also used the uh, old-fashioned where you rolled it back and forth. He, oh, here you go, son. You do it with this. And I'm, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're swearing underneath your breath going, arr, arr, you know. But then, you know, it made me who I was as a player. And and when I got to a certain point that I, I think I was good, it was, it was probably around 86, 87 when we won nationals here, first in Ohio with, you know, Chris Tarsha, who was also with the yep. Cherokees, you know, uh, great friend, he, a hell of a hockey player. Uh, you know, there's just the awesome mockers. We're on there, the Ray back, and, and, and the name goes on and on and on. I mean, we just had such a great team. And, and uh, Who was your coach? Uh, Tom Jackson and Barry Mills and Wayne Collins, that's with Southview. Wayne, yep. Wayne uh, was our goalie coach. Uh you know, did work with the goalies, and, and uh, uh, Barry Mills was with the uh, – played defense for the uh, uh, national team in 84. So did Wayne. They got the national ring for down in Bowling Green mm-hmm. when they won it in 84. 
and then those guys would come out and help us out. The Falkenberger, McKee, and, you know, all those guys in 84, believe it or not, now, you know, a lot of them made it to the NHL or they're in the NHL organizations. They were, they were coaching us, and Tom Jackson, you know, just sat there, you know, next line, go. I mean, he really didn't yell, really didn't anything, and if you didn't play well, you just sat. He, he wasn't a personable guy. I mean, he laughed, and, but, you know, our team manager, Steve Rafak, he's the one that lit the fire underneath of us, so to speak. He'd come in, start throwing sticks and water bottles, you know, hey. You know, and then all of a sudden we just had an unbelievable season. But that motivated us. I think we were more scared to lose than we were, you know, excited to win. You just didn't want to lose because you didn't want to go to practice with a uh, no-puck situation and just get bagged get out bagged, there. Yep. So, and that, that happened to us an awful lot. A lot more than you can think of. And there was no water breaks back then. Now, oh, got to have the hydration rule. You know, every five minutes, take a drink or whatever it is. Back then, no water. Scrape the ice off your uh, blades and suck on that. That was basically what you did. Wow. Yeah. Now, how often did you guys, uh, did you have any kind of, uh, not affiliation, but just the idea of keeping an eye on what was happening in Bowling Green? You know, I wanted to play for Bowling Green for school, Mm -hmm. uh, for college. Um, Jerry York was down there, and... I mean, you figure for especially the '84 team, all that talent. Rob Blake, uh, our old buddy Ian Duncan, uh, guys like that. Uh, right. You know. Right. I mean, there were a ton of guys that came out of that team. That you're right, as you said, played it pro uh, at uh, NHL and AHL levels. Right. They played pro. They got paid for what they would love to do. Yeah, that's that. I mean, now, I mean, you know, you talked about your coaching staff that uh, came from there. Um, how how big of an impact did that have on you, as far as wanting to uh, wanting wanting to keep going and play as high as you could? Well, you know, Barry Mills was the one that talked to me the most, even though he worked with the defenseman. I was a forward. He pulled me aside one time and said, "Hey, do you want to play, you know, junior hockey?" And I was like, "What's really that?" You know, you kind of knew the OHL, but that was. You have to be a Canadian to play that, you know. Americans don't play that. I mean, because you remember back then, it that was Canadian hockey. Yeah, it was. So nowadays, it's world hockey. They get kids more, from everybody. There's more American teams than there are Canadian as far as I think you know. Right, but back then, it wasn't like that. You had your hodgepodge here and their team in the States. You know, the North American was like the place to be and to go and, He's like, you should try out. And then a gentleman on another team, uh, Ed Keene, he was a policeman down in uh, Toledo there. I believe Toledo. Anyways, he's like, hey, I'm getting a group of guys going for a junior tryout, you know, up in Canada. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, he goes, I'm only getting the best players that he sees. And he was a coach, like, I I believe it's called the Toledo Novas back then. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, I never played for this guy. And I'm like, I'll go. You know, I'll try out. And my parents are like, yeah, you know, let's go to Canada for the weekend or whatever. And Barry Mills said, yeah, you should do that. You know, and he he was writing me letters for colleges. And I'm, I know I'm skipping tracks here, but I was really wanted to go to Bowling Green. And when I, I didn't get the scholarship from Jerry York because basically, basically he told me I'm an American. 
And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, uh, hockey's for Canadians. And I'm like, okay, but there are some, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really fast. I'm a really good setup guy. You know, I'll, I, you know, I'll work hard. I might not make it my freshman year, but I, you know, I'll make it here. And like, no, it just passed on me. Well, that drove me to prove him wrong. So that's where it all changed. And when I got an offer to go up to Canada to try out for juniors, I'm like, well, you know, that's my only road really. And I mean, I can go plaque back and play, uh, you know, triple A again, midget hockey, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm better than that. At least I thought I believed in myself. I wasn't better than anybody else. I just believe I could play at a higher level. So I went up there and next thing you know, I got drafted in the OHL, which I had no idea what it was and had to, you know, start out junior B, go up to junior A. And then I started doing that whole route and that's a whole Talk about not knowing anything, what the next level is, and you are just a number. Whatever your number is on your jersey, that's your number. They don't they don't care. You know, you produce your your dress and you don't, then you can go home. I mean there's just so many kids in line because there wasn't so many teams like there are now. You know, parents got upset so they put some money together, they form another league and another team and that's why I said in the beginning it's just so watered down. People say, yeah, I play AAA. I'm like, yeah, but you're not that good. You know, you're not. And people don't want to hear that, but that's the problem with a lot of people as a coach don't like to handle, can't handle the truth, especially about their kid. And they dumped all this time and money. I said, but he doesn't work out by himself. He doesn't work hard. Because you remember in the beginning when I talked about Nick Lonitz talking to me, he said, you got to work up from sun up to sun down to sun down to sun up. All as much as you can, and and that's so true today. And you know, everybody goes, "Oh, my kid's great." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he's good here, but there's 20 more levels to the NHL, or you know, whatever roads to go down. You know, he might make four junior teams, or get traded to four different teams, and play college, and play on the club team, then you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're in the minors, East Coast, you know, and then you just there's so many more roads up there. You don't even have a clue. And that's why I try to tell the kids, you know, go for the education. And, you know, if that coach works you hard and you have good seasons, you're going to get your shot up at the next level, whatever that is, East Coast. You know, everybody wants NHL, but I don't promise anything. I just don't because kids, a lot of kids get frustrated and they quit or girls or partying or whatever. And, I never had that because, you know, my bedtime, no matter what, it was 10 o'clock, you know, because I was up late on hockey nights. When I came home, like, you know, we played up in Detroit, so we had like an hour and 15 minutes drive to the rink just for practice, and practice was at 9 o'clock, 9 to, 9 to 11. You know, you're home by 1 o'clock, and you go to bed, and then you got to go to school, get up at 6 to go to school because I went to school in Monroe, which is a half an hour away, and had to take a bus and sit on the bus, you know, my high school years until I could drive, um, you know, and that's just what you did. So 10 o'clock, you're in bed, lights out, mom and dad, you know, they need their time to, you know, collect and regroup and talk about, you know, their issues about what we need to do for family and stuff. I don't know what they're talking about, but, you know, they, my dad always read the newspaper at night, you know, when he got home. So he was always reading and, uh, 
you know, my mom was always, you know, taking care of what, you know, she was the glue of the family, you know, she took care of what needed to be taken care of. And, you know, plus I have brother and sister. So the biggest thing is, you know, they really, they really taught me to pick and choose when to have fun, pick and choose to make sure you rest. And, you know, all their little, you know, unorthodox methods that my dad, you know, this will help you on your face-offs. This is going to make you a faster skater if you pull weeds, you know, or whatever. And you laugh at it, but it, it just worked. It really did. And there's no structure. I mean, everything's so structured in life, but no, nothing structured for for sports with kids that I've seen in all sports in high school. I don't care if they're playing AAA. They, they don't have it. They, I try to tell them, yeah, they want to play at the next level, but they won't work hard. And, you know, I hope all the people that listen to this podcast understand what I mean. I'm not saying your kid's no good. It's just you either have it or you don't. Just because you want it doesn't mean you have it. And kids don't, you know, everything's so structured, you know. You do 10 things in a day. You get up, you eat breakfast, you go to school, you do your homework, you come home, you go to take a nap, you eat dinner, you go to hockey, go to bed. That's your day. There's no creativity. There's nothing. I've been saying this for years. I said, there, when, when does he work out on his own? When, when was his own time? You know, you don't see kids playing outside like you used to. No, you don't. And, and, and you know, you, you have a family here and there that does it. Don't get me. I'm not saying everybody, but when we played – you had a game when you just found a stick. Yeah. Whether you got whipped at or you're seeing who could chuck it the furthest or who could hide it or play tag. I mean, we did us stuff. Our parents, I mean, every mother seemed to be yelling for their kid for dinner or time to come in because it's dark. And you knew you were in trouble if they oh, used your middle name. That or dad. <laughs> if yeah. dad came out and yelled or they had the, oh, my God, you know. I just hear, next time Dad's coming out, boy, I was home then. Then yep. I knew that was number, you know how the, the, the three method, one, two, yep. and then you hurry up and do it before three gets, yeah, that was, Dad was three. Three, yep. So, but, you know, it's just, it, it was one of those things that, you know, I try to tell tell parents, you know, you can, you can pay for everything. You can spend a million dollars on your kid and still not make it. It doesn't mean he's going to make it. It's what those kids do on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't hear any in my neighborhood. I hear no mothers yelling. And we have, I have a pretty active neighborhood. A lot of walkers, a lot of, you know, young people, old people, dogs, you know, a couple families that they have to, you know, they're playing basketball outside or football. The dads are out there. I see a couple, you know, but I hear no moms yelling like I used to. I mean, you knew the tone of the voice of, you know, mama smith over there you're like oh you're in trouble timmy (laughs) dude mom i heard that i heard the language in her voice without even saying a word except his name you know you're like "Uh uh-oh you you knew it was bad when one mother would yell like that and they'd use the full name oh yeah first middle and last yep and said it so loud and so forcefully that the other kids who weren't related to her ran home yep Uh uh-oh you knew it was Tim's in trouble. Yep, he, you know, he was he was dead man walking. Yep. And you knew it was trouble. And so you went home. And then you, you also knew because you talked to him the next day, "Hey, did you get in trouble?" No, but you know, my you, mom and dad were really mad. 
Or or he's walking with a limp because he, <laughs> he got his butt. Or he didn't come out the next day because he's grounded. Exactly, exactly. Now, how much um, uh, how much did it uh, change you to, when you played up there in Canada? How did it alter the way you worked out? The way you uh, uh, you know you talked about you know when you got passed up by Jerry York, the idea that you were driven to try and prove him wrong. Um, How did it affect the way you played the game up there when you were in Canada? Well, you know, it was a total different style of hockey. Um, There were systems, there were power play, your penalty kill, there was stuff. It was not like how it is today. So the game's changed in, you know, 30 years. And, I mean, it's changed in the last five years. And the NHL's changed in five years. People don't realize it. They just watch the game. But as a coach, and I'm really into systems, mm-hmm. it's changed a huge amount. I don't even. I can't even tell you. It's like night and day. But you know the the whole training process um, back then was you trained at conditioning camp, and then you know you had like two weeks of that, and then you know you went for tryouts or you had your skates, and then they cut you or you make it or whatever. Nowadays, you're for training camp, or they call it mini camp. I mean, it used to be called conditioning camp. You are already ready to go from day one when you step on that, um, I don't know, organization step or property. I mean, it's not when you're on the field or the ice rink. It's right now when you get out of your car. And, uh, well, we got flames here. Opa. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. People are excited. Yeah. So that's great. But anyways, they it was so different because you could be a kid in the summertime, you know, 17, 18. I think I think it was 17, whatever, 18 doesn't matter, 19. And, and, you know, you played with your kids and, you know, I'd shoot out in the backyard every day or I, I mean in my driveway every day. My backyard was all grass. There was really no there was a little patio, but you couldn't shoot there. So, you know, in, in backyard was playing with the dog, you know, and um, and uh, so you just shot. And then my dad would have me work. I mean, I had chores every day, you know, make sure that he give me a list before he comes home. The grass is cut, the pool's clean, the, you know, swept around the pool, you know, clean out the garage, you know, wash the car, whatever. There's always something. And it wasn't like he was a you know slave driver or anything like that. He wasn't trying to. You know, make sure I had a miserable summer. It was just things had to be done to help the family, help the house, help mom. You know, mom asked you to vacuum the stairs. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you ever said no? You know, the word no means you're getting beaten from your dad or you're grounded or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad never hit me, but he'd give you that look. And that was enough for me to just say, yes, sir, you're right. I'm wrong. Or that, or what's the old thing? When mama isn't happy, ain't nobody happy. Yeah, that's that is so true. You don't make mom ever have a headache. Or I remember one time I, I was in the kitchen with my mom. I like to cook. I like to watch my, you know, my mom cook back in the day. My grandma, my grandmas and stuff. And I was sitting there, and I know I'm getting sidetracked, but I said something. I said something, and I don't remember what I said. But my mom looked at me and hit me. And I just looked at her, and she goes, uh, "Okay, now you wait till your dad gets home." She that she smacked me. 
Never felt it. It felt like a little fly. Not, I mean, but when she said, wait till your dad get home, that hurt. That hurt. Then I was like, oh, no, that really hurt, Mom. Oh, my God. No, you can't tell Dad. I can't. And, boy, when Dad got home, oh, that was just, you don't ever, you know. I remember that to this day. Mom tells you to do something, you do it. No sass back, no nothing, you know. And I'm like, whew. Okay, because my dad was a, he was a talker. He made you think, and, boy, he didn't want to get, you know, you get whipped by the belt once. That's all it took for me. I never wanted that again. He just threatened. Let me get the belt. Nope, I get it. You're right. I'm right. You're right. Whatever's right. So, um, but yeah, the training part. You know, that was crazy. I went up there and started working out and trained, and you know, I didn't think I have a, you know, hope in hell to make it. I'm an American. It's Canadian hockey. They're all Canadians. This is this is not good. You know, a lot of French speaking people and. They would speak French because they didn't want us to know what they were talking about. And I'm I'm just lost in conversations. And coaches are, you know, whatever. And, uh, I had a pretty cool coach up there, Mike Kearns. And uh, he uh, he was a cop. He was a I, I, or Mountie or whatever. And uh, OPP up there, you mm-hmm. know, um, Ontario Police Patrol. And uh, he, uh, he really uh, took a liking to me. You know, he was just like, um, you know, you're one of our players. You're one of our our guys that possibly can make it. Um, want to make sure that you know, if you have any problems or question, give me a call or you know, see how you do up. You know, we're gonna bring you on to uh, um, maybe make the team. We're just not gonna get rid of you yet. And I was I was pretty thankful for that. You know, he gave me a chance. And uh, then when I, I didn't know, but I got drafted in the O, so I was like, you know, that's why he kept me because I was, you know, a hot commodity, so to speak. But I didn't know back then because, I mean, remember, there was no cell phones back then. There was no Google. There was no internet. internet. There was no Wi-Fi. I mean, there was nothing that I would ever know that unless they call or everything was done by mail. So you get drafted five days later, you're already going somewhere else, and they're saying, hey, you're our property. I'm like, oh, you have to get an agent. Well, if I get an agent, now I can't go to college. And I want to go to college. I mean, I had other offers to go places to do stuff, but I really want to go to Bowling Green, and I was just like, I don't know, I'm going to prove Jerry Rourke wrong. You know, that was my whole mission. Somebody tells me, no, I'm like, no, no, no. That added fuel to the fire, and that was a big one. So, you know, I should have... And, and rest, rep, you know, I don't, I don't regret it. You know, I don't regret any of my decisions. But you know, maybe I should have went to college first, and you know, instead of get my education after hockey. So I want to make that clear to all the parents and kids that are listening. I did go to college. I mean, it just was later on in life than when I you normally go, I should mm-hmm. say. So you know, I the workouts were crazy they it was two a days which i never had that here you know two a days was you worked out with the team and went home and shot pucks but there it was weights and then more weights and then when you're done go weights and then now run and i'm not a runner i was never a quick runner i was always last I, you know and that's where my model is you know i don't care if you're first or last just don't give up and i never gave up and it, and it worked for me and that's why if it worked for me, it can work for you. And that's, you know, what I tell the kids all the time. You know, I can't 
create heart for you. And, and I can't make you do something your heart's not in. And a lot of these kids nowadays, their parents are more into it than the kids are. They don't talk to the kids. They just don't. Because I, I'm in the locker room when it's just the kids talking. And they have a whole different outlook of what they want to do. And then when you talk to the parents, oh, he's going to NHL. He's going to college. He's doing this. And I'm like, mm, not what your kid's doing. I mean, your kid's going to have the final say sooner or later. Because he's just going to give up and, and try out horribly to not make it. And then say, well, I'm going to college or I'm doing whatever tool or whatever. So... Other than that, the hockey was great. It was like we were on the ice three times a day. Never had that before. You know, I was on a select national team where you're on the ice twice a day. And uh, they worked you hard. But you worked out. You went, you skated twice in the morning, went to school, whatever, and then go back and whatever. So that was pretty cool. But when you got up to Canada, it was just like more intense. I mean, we had practice where it's just passing, no shooting. Goalies never showed up. You just worked on passing. Wow. I mean, for the whole, I mean, I think that was like an hour practice of passing. And when it's an hour, it's usually an hour and twenty minutes because that's their rank. They don't. They're not. No one's in front of them or behind them. They make all the rules. And when they don't want the ice, then they give it to the younger kids or the figure skaters or whatever. But you know, so. Sometimes we had a 25-minute practice because that's all the coach wanted to work on. But we'd go later on at night and work on something else. So being a copy, sometimes got a call. He's like, you know, the our one trainer guy would come in and say, you know, Coach Mike, you know, Mr. Kearns, you know, you got a phone call and he goes, hey, wrap it up. I got a hot pursuit or whatever. So he's so he's always gone sort of like. All right, scrimmage. Oh, yeah. So we just scrimmage and play around and mess around. So we'd have the ice for like three hours and no one left. All the kids just wanted to play. And we just kept going and going and going. And I know we were tired and everything like that. And we knew we had to go practice and we knew we'd get bagged later on. But we, everybody there loved it. And all those guys, like Scott Walker was on the team. He was captain for the Hurricanes, played in the NHL. You know, he was with uh, Nashville. Um, oh, Todd Harvey. Oh, was yeah, on that team, you know, uh, uh, the, the the big name, four Stanley Cup champion, Kurt Malpe was on that team. You know, we had all these guys in the NHL that were on there. Uh, McCarty was one of the guys that came in and out. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, they made it because they wanted, they wanted more. They just didn't want to be on the ice to shoot around. We all worked on stuff, whether the coach was there or not. We all did something. You know, Maltz was my winger, and he, he, I was always trying to set him up. I mean, I'm like, you're going to score goals, but give me the puck because I'm going to give it back to you. And that was our plan, and we just worked on, us two just worked on, because my, my winger, we were top line, and, and our winger, because Harvey was second. He was the second line centerman. Then he ended up playing wing as pro, but Scott Walker was a defenseman for us and ended up playing forward. In the NHL. So he was, so, you know, all these guys that, I mean, I try to put that in these kids' brains nowadays. They're tired after an hour. They're just like, oh, do I really have to do it? Well, yeah. So then when you get better, I'm not doing it to be a jerk. I don't want to be here. I don't want to skate you guys. You know how boring it is as a coach to watch people go down and back or do these little dipsy doodle whatever. I watch these coaches on, on the ice now. I'm like, 
What are you doing? I can't even watch this. It's not even game situation stuff. I mean, save the money and do this outside for conditioning. I mean, don't tell me you got to have hockey conditioning. There's no difference from hockey. You know, the muscles are, yeah, but if you have high-end drills, flow drills, you don't have to worry about conditioning. I don't condition my guys hardly at all. The only time I bag them is when they get in trouble. And that's once in two years I did it once. Other than that, we go. This is it. This is how you're doing it. Keep up or else you're on JV. That's it. Now, uh, how far how far up the chain did you play? How far did you get to play? Up to the NHL? Yeah. I went all the way up to the NHL and sat there and was a suitcase and just watched teams. I'd practice. I'd be with the team. I'd practice the morning of and then uh, not be on the uh, final roster at uh, 4 o'clock when you knew who was dressing. I just, I just got injured. I was in the minors. I just, like, Where did I, you play in the minors? Oh, I played for Hampton Road Admirals. Uh, played um, uh, for the K Wings uh, a little bit. Um, Newmarket Saints was with Toronto. Uh, played with um, Providence Bruins. I was Boston Bruins at the time. Their farm team played. Uh, Played a whole bunch of places. I played for Knoxville in the East Coast uh, League. Um, actually, was on with Toledo as a um, when they won their cup here as a reserve. But I had a blown out knee, which I was just there. Uh, McSorley was a coach. Chris mm-hmm. McSorley called me and said, "Hey, if you ever get better, we're going to put you on, you know, injured reserve." And I mean, I never went to practice. I mean, I I couldn't walk. I mean, he just thought in case of. I mean, I never got a ring with them or anything. I, I mean, I don't deserve it or anything. I never stepped. I, I, I don't even know if I met anybody on the team. I just, it was all over the phone. Um, so, yeah, you know, I got to play with a lot of good guys, a lot of teams, got to see a lot of cities, um, went to a lot of places, a lot, played a lot of preseason games. I just I just couldn't crack. I just, I was, I don't know for whatever reason, I just kept getting hurt. I just couldn't keep. You know, you break your wrist, and, you know, I'm trying to play. I, I hardly ever sat out. When I blew my knee out, that was the big one where they you, you can't play. I tore my uh, ACL and, and my MCL, and I stepped on a stick, and my knee just, you know, just went right. I snapped. So, you know, that was against Rick Zombo from the Red Wings in preseason. So that took me out for a year. That was fun. But, uh you know, just got hurt, injured, and got hurt in the preseason game against the Capitals and took me out of hockey. I had a couple surgeries trying to correct my breathing, and it didn't work, and I failed the uh, entry test. You got you to gotta see so much out of every eye. You got to hear so much out of your ears. You got to breathe so much, your intake through your nose and your mouth and stuff like that. And I failed on that. So the doctors, the NHL doctors, said, you know, I had a black flag where – I can't play anymore. I mean, I know you've had your nose busted uh, oh, yeah. a bazillion times. How many times do you, you think you busted it? Well, two with surgeries because they had to re-break it. So, but total of ten. Oh, my gosh. So, it was eight all in hockey, and not one of them was a fight. Really? Not one. No, it would be like an elbow. Because you know I didn't play, you didn't play with face face masks. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, a stick, come up and clip you. You know, and I didn't really have a big nose, so I was always like, now, you know, I, I have the boxer's nose, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> I had a normal nose. I mean, you saw pictures, you're like, yeah, you know, what is that, the biggest thing I need? I'm like, no, it was just, uh, I, well, whatever, I don't know. You know, I guess I guess I was skating with my head down going into the boards and, you know, the stuff that I tell the kids not to do, you know, exactly. keep your head up. Now, uh, how long did it take you to get into coaching? Uh, you know, I that's a tough story. Well, that's the story that that really hurts is I came out. I went to see Doc Poopat up in Monroe, and uh, he's retired now. He was an ear, nose, throat specialist, surgical, um, you know. And he, he, correct, he was correcting my orbital bones and stuff and, and my nose just so I could breathe, so I could go back to playing. So I didn't want to quit. I was 20. I was 22. I retired when I was 23 from the NHL. You know, got a package deal, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, they fulfilled their contract, my contract to them through IR. And um, um, I sat home, and I, I hit a form of depression because I was so geared up my whole life to play hockey. Never knew I could play anywhere. Didn't you know? My dad never played in the NHL. I, we weren't famous. We weren't rich. We didn't have all this. But it really never. None of that matters. I did it on my own. You know, from my dad with his unorthodox. Hey, this will help you with your slap shot. This is going to help with your backhand or whatever kind of methods doing yard work. And and you know, coaches that took a chance on me, like a Mike Kearns, and and I wish I would have learned. From those guys, the Barry Mills, the Tom Jacksons, uh, you know, all these great coaches we had. And I never really paid attention to their style of coaching. You know, they told us what to do, whether it was each line or the team. But that was, I don't know, I, I was in this funk for, for two weeks. And my dad says, hey, you're coming to work for me. You're getting a job. You got to wake up. You know, I'm still at home. You know, I'm not... Didn't have a girlfriend or anything. I wasn't really, I just, I was mad at the world that I finally, I'm finally getting there and now it's gone and I can never get it back and I want it. I want it more now than I did when I was healthy and I wanted it. I mean, I slept, ate, drank every day hockey. I didn't, I missed parties. I missed, I never went football game. I never did any of that. I wanted hockey. I wanted to prove to my, my dad and my mom that their son is 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 going to be a pro, and and that didn't hit me till I think I was like 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there. Then then it all happened. But I I just went to work and and uh, you know I a buddy of mine called said hey do you want to play hockey like beer hockey you know McCabe is going to be there a couple of the uh, old gold digger guys are going to be out. You know, a couple Storm guys, you know, Mike Jones was out there, Doug Carter's out there, Mike Natashak, you know, a whole bunch of Derek Booth, you know, all these guys that, you know, are pretty successful, you know, locally. And, and uh, you know, I looked up to and I and I was like meeting these guys, you know, Edinger, Adam Edinger was there. Um, this goes on. But anyways, I was like, man, there's a lot of guys here that played or, or are going to play. 
you know, hockey at the next level. I mean, there's still some guys that had that. They're playing college hockey. Jablonskis were there, and, but uh, I met this guy, Dave Faulkner, a uh, kid. He was uh, he was a head coach for Woodward, and and um, my uh, Kevin Kershack was on out there, and a um, couple college players were out there, and they're like, um, yeah, we help out with uh, Faulkner, uh, coach hockey. Dave's like, you want to come out and help me out? And I'm like, I'm not a coach. I'm still a player because I had that mentality of, you know, if you coach, you're not that good. You know, the only reason why you coach is because you weren't that good to play, you know. And I'm thinking, because I was a player, and I'm thinking, you know, I have nothing to offer. No one's going to listen to me. I don't know how to motivate kids. I know how to motivate me. So, um, Faulkner's like, why don't you just, you know, come out and hang out with the kids? So I was like, all right, you know, he was, Dave was a good guy, you know. I'm like, all right, we golfed, and he kept bugging me. And I'm like, all right, I'll, you know what, I'll help out and see what it is. So I go to practice, and oh, my God, was it was it a beauty. I went from pro to kids that didn't know how to skate. And I'm sitting there going, wow, this is horrible. But... What was really cool was every kid on that team had an unbelievable personality. They they were there because they wanted to be there because they they had so much fun. They never cared about wins and losses. Everybody wants to win. These kids just wanted to play. Wanted somebody to teach them. And I'm like, wow, you know, I don't really know the rules here in Ohio or whatever. But this is the tricks I know. And this, you should do this. And when the guy gets in front of that, you should do that. And, and Dave's just looking at me like, I'm like, if it's legal, I mean, can I do this to it? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, so then I show a kid this and that. I know the rules have changed from back when I started. So I did that for a couple of years. And then uh, I'm like, you know, we did really successful for, for our program being just the bad news bears, the Chico Bail Bonds of the of the world. I mean, we were so bad. Wow. But there's the parents were great. There, every one of them was great. Every every kid was great. I mean, that's the one season where every parent, every kid, win or lose, ice time or no ice time, was awesome. It was awesome. I I loved it. And I go to Dave. I go, I go. How do you not like coaching here? And he's like, well, you know, I think since you're here, you've been, the team's been winning, we've been doing more, and he, you know, and I, I'm kind of like, so I took that to heart that maybe I'm a coach, maybe, maybe I, maybe I do want to coach, help kids, because my mom always said, oh, you should become a teacher, like a gym teacher, because you always like athletics and you like helping kids. I've always helped, like my brother and sister, I always played with them when I was home from hockey. I mean, nonstop. I'd carry him on my shoulders because that's what my dad did to me. Always carried me on his shoulders until I got too heavy, you know, or too big or too tall or whatever. Because I was never a heavy kid. And then, well, my teenagers here, I was, I was, I was one of those husky kids. And <laughs> when you went shopping, I had to go in the husky department. I was. I, I, I'm hip. I understand. So, so then, you know, then, then I had to work out to get thin again to work out. Uh -huh. But that's why my dad had, you know, subconsciously he's telling me. You need to be better 
physical wise if you want to play at the higher level so this is what we're doing because it's all he didn't tell me i was fat and slow or whatever he, he just said if you want to get better this is what you need to do so it all came back around again but i i, I was sitting there and my parents lived kitty corner behind them they lived the mike miller who's the yeah. voice of the uh new jersey devils won a few rings as an announcer for them and now he does his own thing on you know espn radio i believe or whatever and then and then uh behind him was brian kinsella oh yeah and kinsey and you know the thing about it was um i i i knew the kids because they're my brother's age and we'd play football on my parents side yard well it wasn't theirs but the people who owned it didn't have a house there but there was no house. It was just a field. Mm-hmm. Or maybe my parents owned it. I, I don't remember. Anyways, so we would always play over there and play football. And, I mean, the kids were always outside, like I said. And, uh, you know, Brian comes over and his wife, Laura, and, you know, hey, I'm coaching Bedford. You know, do you want to you wanna coach with me? And I'm like, well, who is this guy? And Mike Miller's like, you know, like, oh, that'd be great, you know, former gold digger. And when he said that, I'm like, well, you play for the gold diggers, you know, because mind you, back in my day, I wasn't really looking up because still there was no cell phones then. No, no, no internet. No. So people don't get that. Like, how do you don't look that up? Well, I don't know how you would, you know, you still were, looked at an encyclopedia and you still looked at a map on paper to get to A to B to B to A. So then I was sitting there and um, long story short, he said, uh, hey, I'm going to coach Bedford High School. Uh, I want to be the JV coach. I want you to be the head coach uh, varsity. And I'm like, I'm not a head coach. I'm a, I'm a great assistant. You know, I'm I'm I'll make you better. And uh, he's like, No. I go. I will only take the job if you're my assistant coach. I'll take the head coaching job because I still don't know really how to coach. You know, I know how to help, but I don't have. I don't know what I'm really doing. So he agreed to that, and uh, we'd be, I mean, the next 13 years, I was either his assistant or he was my assistant. We never looked at each other as head coach or assistant. We were always just coaches, and uh, got along like brothers. I mean, we never argued. I mean, you know, we were more married than than our wives at the time because we spent so much time on the road. We'd be home for two weekends, gone for four. Or gone three, home one, or whatever. And, uh, you know, you recruit during the summer. I mean, you really had a month off. So 11 months out of the year, we were pretty much together every day, except for a day here and there, off. Other than that, that's what it is. So we got into that, and then um, Chuck LeMay, um, Todd Omi was resigning i believe for the cherokees and talked to after practice up in monroe the cherokees practice up in monroe Mm -hmm. said hey do you want to uh uh coach you know to brian kinsella and brian's like no you need varga not me that's the coach you should get and chuck called me over and and he explained what he just said and what kinsey said and i'm like yeah, I love to do juniors. You know, I'm really getting in this coaching thing. You know, I'm, I figured it out. I understand what we're doing. And, and, you know, we won it there for them. And I'm like, there's nothing else to win. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I want to win another ring somewhere else. So 
did that and watched Todd Omi for the last month before playoffs and whatever. Um, I don't, I know they lost, but um, I really watched how he coached. And I was with the program there for a little bit and uh, went to all the games and just sat up in the stands, drove myself and, and got into it and then uh, became the head coach there. And Brian became my assistant. And then things just really got exciting for me. I really liked the, you know, recruiting and I really enjoyed that. I was gone every weekend. I was gone somewhere. I was always on the phone till 2, 3 in the morning. I'd get calls at 4 in the morning and, you know, guys from Europe and agents and DVDs were sent to me all the time. And, man, I just, I really got into it. I, I loved it. We were very successful there. And uh, I just started to eat, sleep, drink coaching. And that's where I'm at now. I mean, I just literally, that's all I do. I mean, I have family and kids and everything else, but I really, that's all I want to do. I found my, my passion or calling. And I'm obsessed with it. It's my drug. It really is. I want these kids to go further than I ever thought I could. I want them all to make it. But they have to do what I tell them, and they don't do what I tell them, you know, on their own. With me, they do, but not on their own. And Well, you got to remember, too, you know, going as far as they can, whether it's in hockey or elsewhere in life. You know, I mean, that's... That's the true. That's the true success story. Is when, regardless of if it's in hockey or if they're the best gas pumper on the planet or if they're the best Fortune 500 businessman, whatever. As long as they're the best version of themselves, right? That's where you can say, yeah, I, I that's what I want for them. I want the right. best for them. Right. Oh, and I agree. And a personal, that's what I want. I'm just talking hockey talk. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I tell them, I said, like they would, they would be talking. Uh, I'll sit there and say, uh, I go, what did you do last night? Oh, I played video games. I'm, I, you know, and then I talk to another kid. How good is he? And they're like, oh, he's awesome. I go, well, how much you play? And I, I play like three, four hours. I go, imagine, imagine if you just did that with hockey, how awesome you'd be. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean? I go, that's the bottom line. I go, you don't understand that. I mean, you're worried about playing video games. Imagine if you really want to play in the NHL. You would spend that time instead of video games working hard on your shot or lifting weights or running or swimming or biking. I go, you don't need all this money. You have everything. You have all the tools right here. Just walk outside and do something. You got a tree? Pull up some sit-ups, you know, uh, chin-ups, whatever jumping jacks you know you know back in our day you didn't need a ladder to walk run through back and forth you used the sidewalk you had chalk yeah yeah i mean use cracks in the ground i mean i mean there's no kid i mean you tell that to a kid right now and just give them an empty field and say here work out they'd be like i i can't do it i don't know what to do i'm like yeah because you're so structured you have no creativity none none zero zip the best players in the world always will tell you no matter who, what sport it is, it's because of creativity to get them out of jams, to know what they're doing, how to be successful, under pressure, the odds against them. What did they do to become that great player? Every one of them has that story. Everyone I've talked to, I've talked to many people in many sports and, and professionals. You know, talk to Jerry Rice. You know, he became a football player a sophomore in high school because he got in trouble. 
for skipping school. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows that story. It's the only way he got in football because the teacher couldn't catch him. He was too fast. They said, hey, you should try out for football. Okay. And then he just he just drilled it in his head that he wanted to be the best player on the team. And then all of a sudden he went to college. He wanted to be the best player on that team. Well, now he's one of the best ever. Hall of Famer. But, I mean, that's Michael Jordan. He got cut. He didn't make varsity his freshman year. Like most of these parents, well, I don't want to go here because he's not going to make varsity his freshman year. Well, that's good. It gives him something to push for. Well, we're going to go over here because it's easier for him. That's the problem. That's the whole thing in a nutshell itself. You know, here's Michael Jordan, probably the best player that I've ever seen play. You know, I, I, I don't care about stats. My personal, he's one of the best. Not his personal life, just him as a basketball player. That guy never quit. He was too short. Couldn't make free throws. Couldn't shoot the three. Couldn't drive the lane. And here you see all the stories, that documentary of, him, somebody getting hurt, and he stepped up his sophomore year to become the player who he was. You know, at North Carolina, you know, Coach Dean Smith was on the cover with four players. They didn't know who the fifth player was, but they're the number one team, and he wasn't on the cover with them. And he ended up became the player of the year in the NCAA, all because he wasn't on that pitcher, and he thought he should have been on the Sports, Illustri- Sports Illustrated cover. I mean, whatever motivates you, the creativity, kids don't, a lot of these parents do it for them, so the kids don't can't think for themselves, but, and they don't push themselves. But all these players push themselves. That's why they're great. Let's talk about that for a little bit with uh, Toledo. Okay. Now, you come into the, after spending a little time watching Todd Omi, yep. did you have anything set in stone as far as how you wanted to handle the team and what you wanted to bring a fresh set of eyes to the organization. Yeah, I had, yeah, I, I wasn't the most fan favorite, owner favorite coach because they had their team set up. They did pretty well. Uh, they didn't go to nationals, but they went pretty well in playoffs. And, and Kinsey walked, walked, Kinsey and I walked in together looking at each other, having a game plan is we're taking the best players possible. We recruited some of these kids. We're, you know, they're at USHL tryouts or North American tryouts. They're not going to make it. They're going to come back. You'll see. And we had probably, you know, a list of 30 kids, but actually we came back with probably five, you know, that didn't make it because they they made it. We're thinking, poof. All right. We thought they may need a little help or maybe our expectations were, if we were coaching those teams, we wouldn't take them because we we always want the best or try to get the best as possible that's out there that wants to play. So there's a bunch of returners that came back, and we cut all of them except two. One was Larry Willard, and the other one, I, I don't remember his name. I mean, oh, Kelly Kessler. Kelly and, Kessler. And, 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 and we're sitting there, and, and actually Kessler ended up quitting because he moved up. So... Yeah, he went to Lansing. Yeah, so we didn't have him. But he was with us, and there was a couple other kids that were, you know, that might make it, but we didn't end up taking, like, these higher-end guys. And I'm like, and I remember Chris and Chuck looked at Kinsey and I, and like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, we have better talent than what you guys had last year. You just recruited better. And uh, she's like, well, you know, Todd's been a staple of this, you know, and I'm like, 
nothing against Todd as, as a coach. I'm just saying we're getting better players than what he had last year. Now they're young and green, but, you know, and then I remember Chuck LeMay saying, well, you're not successful, and the only way you're going to be successful, I know you guys are new, is if you get playoffs and you have it at home ice and you can make nationals. So that if you can't with that, you know, you guys have free reign, but basically it's That's us to lose. That's the goal. We're not going to get there. We don't know what we're what we're doing kind of thing. He goes, you know, this is the next level. And I, I'm looking at Brian going, yeah, this was we played way beyond this. This is nothing. I mean, we know what we know what it takes to get up there. We've we've both been there. You know, whether we played a hundred games or no games, we at least been there practicing, working out, same locker room as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sat next to Cam Neely, was you know going to be you know Hall of Famer that to this day we talk. You know, Sweeney, the GM. You know, I'm I'm like I talk to these guys all the time, trying to pick their brains. So. We, I remember we we uh, won this game. I don't know who we played, <laughs> and and we knew we had home ice advantage for the playoffs. And I looked at Chuck and I said, I remember walking up to him after the game. I go, told you we knew what we were doing. He goes, you know how much money you saved us? And I said, oh, so it's all about money. And he goes, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And here I'm thinking it was about us as coaches. And then I realized there's a business side of this game. Yeah. And as the, you know, I wasn't the GM. I, you know, in the future, then I, I became the GM and head coach. But I, you know, I was like, eh, you know, so whatever. And then uh, I told Kinsey that, and he goes, you know, it's all about money, eh? And I go, I guess so. You know, I thought they'd be proud, but they were. They're happy for us. And we made home ice every year, went to nationals every year, you know, you know we lost. But, uh, you know, we knew what we were doing. And and the kids in this area bought into what we were saying because we were really a team. You know, I made those kids, you know, they don't all like each other, but I made sure they played for each other. And that's what I try to do here. I don't care if you guys like each other, hate each other, date each other's sister. I, I really don't care. But when you're here, you're, you're, we're all for one. If you don't want to be, you're not here. I mean, you can think you're great. You can think you suck. I don't care. But when you're out there and you have the same jersey as the guy next to you, right and left, you better play for him because he's playing for you. And you better protect him because he's going to protect you. And that was my motto in juniors. That was it. Now, um, how many seasons did you end up coaching for Toledo? Three. Three? Okay. Uh, and I, the, the funniest thing I remember or that's where I got introduced as I had been there for a few, quite a few years at that point, but I remember, I, re, I remember I got introduced to the funny side of hockey, of of have of getting together, sitting, having a having a pop with other coaches from the other teams. Yeah. I hadn't done that before. That was me. That was because of you. Yeah, and that's who I am. I'm I'm a uh, I joke around all the time. My kids will tell you, I joke around constantly. I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh. I don't care if I rip on myself. Or, you know, you get on me, dog on me, or whatever. I, that's fine. You know, it doesn't hit a nerve. Because I was, you know, 
I wasn't supposed to play hockey where I grew up. Mm-hmm. You, I, I'm, I'm not a Canadian. I'm not good enough. I'm, I mean, I've heard everything you're not supposed to do. You know, go play football or baseball. You know, you know, go play soccer. Do something. But hockey, no, you're never going to do it. I was always told no. I was always told you're not good enough. You're not whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that drove me. And, you know, my dad always said, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself for a mistake out on the ice, I mean, I went out there and I fall. And if you can't laugh at that, then, you know, then stop. Mm-hmm. Do something else. And I was always joking on other coaches and refs. With and, and I, well, when we were introduced, I was, you know, I was pretty shy. I'm like, yeah, how's it going, Mick? Whatever. And Brian loved to do it. I like to, you guys talked way better. Brian was a great talker, Kinsey. Mm-hmm. And I know you're making me talk through this, and, and, and it's so odd for me. Everybody says I talk so long, and I don't hardly talk anywhere near like Brian did. Oh, gosh. And that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface as to how much that guy could talk. We would have 20 minutes for an intermission. He'd still be talking on the way, guys. It would be like 23 minutes going in. He'd still be talking to guys on the bench. He still wasn't done talking nope. in between periods. Nope. Uh, I mean, him it was and, great. Him and Luddy were the two biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Ludwig uh, were the two my, my two best uh, intermission killers. Yes. Ever. And yeah. I'll never forget the one time uh, the Toledo Ice Diggers moved up to Alpena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yep. And so and Kenny Miller invites us to go and play an exhibition game up there. Yep. A weekend. Yep. And so we go up to Alpena, Michigan, which even back then, the mullet was still king. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> Anyhow, um, they I mean, they had like the Holiday Inn, I think, was like the local hot spot yep. for uh, people to go to. And they were blasting out 80s music all night. Yeah. Well, we're playing uh, morning. We played two games on Saturdays, Saturday morning early and then in the late afternoon. And uh, we played out. We were, I think we were playing Alpina. Yep. And... Uh, they were, you know, they were they were feeding us pretty good, and it was the uh, I think it was the first intermission. And one of the things that uh, the running joke that we had back then was, of course, was with Kinsey. Him, be, I mean, he's a proud Canadian and from Barrie, Ontario. Yep. And he, uh, we always called him International. Mister uh, International. Yep. And he had a number eighteen. Uh, on his thigh, tattooed, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it was on his thigh. Anyway, he, um, you know, he wore 18 as a jersey number, but we would tease him about it for other reasons. But uh, anyway, we. Uh, that's a whole nother subject. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast. Anyhow, uh, we would uh, we would joke with him and call him international. And now I have to ask you this. Uh-huh. Uh, what was the origin that brought upon the character known as Brother Henri? What did? How did Kinsey pick up that moniker and that whole Brother Henri? Uh huh. Brother Henri. Well, it was it was uh, a thing um, back in the day, old old school uh, hockey in the original six, where um, there was a guy I forgot his name that played in the NHL. He always um, 
they always asked, he was the talker back then for the team spokesman. And uh, they always asked, like, who was the star of the game? He always said, oh, my brother, Henri. And uh, it was a French-Canadian gentleman. And uh, it just went on and on and on. So Kinsey, Kinsey and I always joked. We always, I mean, we told battle scar stories. We told the good, the bad, the uglies. I knew all his secrets. He knew all mine, you know, because, like I said, we are always together. And uh, one interview, he just started talking, and uh, I know you were asking him questions, and you, you know who are the three uh, stars of the game, and he just hit him that he's like, well, you know, uh, I have to say my brother Ron Ree, you know, he went down there and uh, shot the goal, and uh, you know, shot the puck and scored, and uh, nah, yeah, yeah, he's a third star. Then you're like, well, well, who's number two? And he goes, well, you know, that's uh, after thinking about it, you know, it uh, it had to be my uh, brother Ron Reed because you know he uh, he skated real hard and passed the puck, got puck back, and scored goal in one game. Then you then you go, well, then who's the number one star? And this is, I think, this is on TV, and or there's, I, I can't remember, and he and I remember, and I'm sitting there and. And, and I knew this because we would do this constantly with each other on the because uh, we'd always say who's the first star, second star, third star of each game practice, whatever, trying to motivate our kids, you know. And then you go, well, who's the first star? Well, you know, after, you know, the first, second star, it had to be, you know, the first star would be uh, my brother, Ron Reed. You know, he went down and passed the puck out of back, scored goal, you know, big celly at the end. I mean, you know, no one better. I mean, so he's first star. And, uh, you know, then we started to ad lib on that. You know, Ron Ree got like 15 goals in one game. You know, and brother Ron Ree. No one knows who brother Ron Ree is, but we're like, yeah, you know, first star. You know, 15 goals in one game. You know, brother Ron Ree. I mean, we just it, the story just it was talk about a fish story that turned into a whale story. That yeah. I mean, we were always joking around with the press, always. And the funniest part was, I, like I said, getting back to the uh, the Alpina story is that we're up there, and he comes down for an intermission, and I figure, well, since it wasn't an official game, it was right. just an inter- it was just a, uh, exhibition game, I look at him, and I go, okay, and without missing a beat, I just go, okay. I said, I think, you know, since it's an exhibition game and everything, I said, we're going to break this down, talk about it, and I need uh, Brother Henri for the entire interview. And we spent the better part of 17 minutes where I literally came this close, this close to losing bodily function yeah. because I was laughing so hard. I couldn't yeah. even gasp. I was gasping for air. Yeah. I mean, Kinsey, it was like magic. Yep. I got that to this day. I have never gotten more emails and, and notes saying how hilarious the yeah. two of you were yeah. Yeah. Doing, a, doing a hockey game than yeah. what uh, Kinsey did. Yeah. Man, I tell you, to this day, I miss him so much. Yeah, me but, too. But um, he was, I mean, when I say he was on, I mean, he was on that game. And we just were sitting there both just howling. And um, we talked about it afterwards on the, back to the hotel, and we were just cracking up. Yeah. Uh, how, you know, how could how could we top that? You know, you couldn't. No. And uh, I'll never forget that when he just, you know, you shoot the puck, yeah, you know, or when he did um, – he uh, said, "Oh, what was the other one he did?" He said, "He said, um, 
yeah, he said, uh, the coach come in and he yell at me and say, you know, you need to, uh, you, 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 uh, what did he say? He goes, oh, he says, yeah, you, you, the coach say you give up goal because you know back check. He goes, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then he said, you, you also, uh, cause, uh, what did he say? He said something like, you also cause, uh, us a chance at a goal because you didn't forecheck. You know, forecheck. He goes, yeah, and I said, yeah, I know forecheck. And he said something like, uh, you didn't, and you also, you know, you took penalty and you caused it. He goes, yeah, that was me. I caused, but he goes, I guess I got a hat trick. Yeah. yeah. And just, uh, just, I mean, he was hysterical yeah. when he'd come up with this stuff, you know. And then, of course, he'd always say, you know, yeah, when you want to, his brother Henry would always say, yeah, if you forecheck and backcheck, you get paycheck. Yeah. You know. That's, that. that's true. Yeah, we were probably the most biggest jokesters ever. We joked. We people would come in our lot in our hotel room as coaches, the players, and, and and even parents, and we would just always be. I mean, even if we lost, I mean, because we can separate it as coaches. You're pissed off. You're at the rink. You're just, oh my god, I'm gonna strangle everybody. Don't talk to me. I'm not doing interviews. Whatever. You get on the bus. You're like. Hey, let's go get something to eat. And then you start, you know, have a couple sodas. And next thing you know, you're laughing, having fun. And we're back. You go back to the hotel and, you know, you had get a get a couple varieties there to go home with. And, uh, you know, you sit down and have more sodas. And next thing you know, we're just telling jokes. And a lot of people want to know what, you know, back then the hazing or what did we do or what happened to us. And, and the stories are so unbelievable that nowadays, I mean, you – People would be in jail or be arrested. You, couldn't, you, couldn't do you, that. Could, you can't. And like these parents, like and, and the kids, have no concept. Like no way that ever happened. I'm like that. I'm just telling you stuff that I can tell you. I'm not telling you stuff that would really shock, blow your mind. I mean, I those I'll go to the grave with. I mean, Kinsey told me some stuff. I'm like, there's no way they could have done it in my era. And he was, you know. You know, 15 years older than me or whatever. So I was like, oh, my God. So I can't imagine, you know. But Kinsey was one of those guys that, you know, you know, you knew when he was mad. And then he turned around and gave you a smile. You know, he was Mr. International. And that, that all became because of one of the uh, – I don't know if you want to get into stories. We sure, don't have to. Yes, we can. You want to get in funny stories? Yes. Like, really? So people ask me all the time what, what you know, what cool stuff was on the road. And I'll just talk about when we were with the Cherokees. You know, I'm not going to do it when I played or mm-hmm. St. Francis or whatever or high school. Um, yeah, I don't care. But, it's wide open. But, uh, so we're sitting there around this bus trip. And uh, Brian and I. <coughs> Excuse me, Brian and I were talking, and uh, one of the moms came. Most parents didn't come, but if they wanted to come, there if there was room on the bus, you know, Chuck or Chris would say okay. And usually the parents never came, but once in a while they wanted to, you know, they had a weekend off of work or whatever, they would go because we would leave Friday and you know during the day to get there to play Friday night, you know, Peoria or St. Louis or wherever, and uh, um. We're talking, and we weren't. We were talking hockey, 
but we have like our own code like coaches have codes for words and stuff because you don't want the kids you don't want to say hey you know number 19 joe you know that's sitting right behind you trying to use other words you know so you you know what who you're talking about without anybody knowing what we're talking about so we're, we're saying this and one of the moms turned around and gotta love her she turned around she looked at us and uh she she said how big and and that's all she said and i said how big and and mike and i or mike um kinsey uh, and i were looking at each other and we went how big and as she's doing it as she's saying it she has a banana in her hand and she's oh, no. peeling the banana <laughs> and i and and kinsey and i being jokesters we started talking about we were talking hockey, 100% hockey. Nothing. I mean, to this day, I don't even understand where the word "how big" or the phrase "how big" came from from this woman, from one of the moms. And I'm sitting there, and we're looking at each other, and she's eating eating the banana now. Well, I took it to the next level, being PG. I uh, said, "Oh, you know, you know, you know, I'm an American." That's that's pretty much like Americans, but Canadians, they're way bigger. The bananas are way bigger. And she's like, really? Well, Brian's wife was sitting right next to her. Oh, no. Laura. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And Laura, Laura knew that we have this stupid humor. And Laura just went, are you kidding me? She just put her head down, looked out the window like, I can't believe this is going where it's going. <sighs> And I'm sitting there, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Canadians have bigger bananas. And, uh, you know, saying other words, but you, I'm paraphrasing. And Kinsey's like, I mean, just embarrassed. He is so red. I mean, he gets red a lot. I used to get him red all the time. Like, he literally, you'd see his face turn within 30 seconds. It would be bright red. So I said, oh, yeah. And then that's where we got. She's like, really? And started touching his leg. And oh Laura, Laura's looking, going, excuse me, I'm his wife. And she, he goes, well, I know, but I've never seen a, a Canadian banana. <laughs> and I said, and so then I just went, I went, oh, yeah, he's Mr. International. Those things are massive. And she oh, was in love with him till, till he left hockey. Oh my she would God. always bring me, oh, because I'll see her every once in a while, a local boy, and uh, I'd see her every once in a while at the rink because she has, you know, her kids that I coach have grandkids now, and they, you know, they play, and that's how old I am, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, so she ever says, you know, I was like, you know, last time I saw her, she's like, oh, I really missed, uh, she couldn't even think of Kinsey's name because he was Mr. International. That's how she referred him as. She's like, oh, sorry to hear about Mr. International. And I was like, yeah. I mean, she couldn't even think of Brian's name. And I'm sitting there going, that scarred that woman for life. But that's how we were. That's how we joked around. If you came up with something, we turned it on you to make it to, to try to embarrass you. Because we were always being embarrassed. We were always joking. You know, you lose, we suck. We, we can live with that. But most of these parents, they think they can handle it. They can't. Trust me, we were professionals. You, you're just amateurs. <laughs> because we did it every day. Yeah. And we were in a different city every day. It wasn't like trying to hit on girls. It was just with the guys, with the other coaches. 
You know, we did it with our own peers. We did it to our kids, to, you know, to our hockey players. We just always got on them. But we, we knew laughter was a, a form of, you know, bonding. bonding. But you know what? It does heal. 